Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the developer behind the wonderful recipe app Crouton, Devin Davies. Devin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I am I'm super excited about this one. Uh people who know me know that I I spent a little while uh kind of just going through a lot of recipe apps. Probably a lot of people, I'm sure we'll get into this, but uh I came off of one app that's been around for a very long time and then maybe was ready to try some other things and turns out there's a bunch of really cool apps. I've interviewed some of them here. Crouton is one that I kind of have fallen in love with. Uh, there's a lot of little details that I'm sure we're going to get into that I just I just find very, very delightful in a way that's very satisfying. And so I'm I'm really happy to have you on finally um, to kind of talk about this. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so before we get into Crouton itself, though, I want to give everyone a background on who you are. So the first question or the questions I always ask everybody is, where are you from? Do you have a formal education related to what you do? And then we can talk about your career leading up to Crouton. Sure. So, uh, I'm from Christchurch, New Zealand. You might be able to tell from from the accent. Uh, I grew up in a, a smaller town out, outside of Christchurch called Kaiapoi, which probably no one's heard of, but they have more cafes per capita than any other town in the world, I'm sure. I'm just assuming it's it looks exactly like Lord of the Rings, uh, but with, with more cafes and Taika Waititi uh, running around. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And we, we, we take boat everywhere. <laughs> I threw in all my stare, all my knowledge, I'll just throw it in there at once. Oh, and sheep. There's lots of sheep, right? Yeah, plenty of sheep. Yeah, so it's it's a good place. It's pretty, I, like, terrible holiday destination. Um, if you're coming to New Zealand, don't come to Christchurch. Um, oh, why is but that? But it's a great place to live. Oh, there's just nothing to do. It's very, it's flat and quiet. So, if you want a relaxing, chill holiday, then maybe it's a good place. And you like coffee. Yeah, if you want to see me, then... <laughs> It's it's literally the best place in the world for that. <laughs> yes, yeah, you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find me anywhere else. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's a good landing pla- pad. We're pretty close to like Queenstown and Lake Tikapo and all these touristy destinations. So you normally fly into Christchurch and then drive out as quickly as you can. But then that gives you you know quick access to them for like a weekend trip or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Definitely very lucky to have lots of super nice spots close by. So it's not all bad. Nice. Let's talk about like your education then. Did you decide early on you wanted to get into app development or something like that? Uh, so originally, I when I was a teenager, I, uh, my dad's work had an old CS6 Photoshop license. They didn't need any more. So I got a legal copy of all of, of the creative suite. And so I started, I was kind of into photography originally. And then that kind of morphed into just using Photoshop to do a whole bunch of different vector things. And so I thought for a while that I wanted to be a graphic designer. I don't know what it's like in the US though, but I think here that can be a tougher industry to get into. Oh yeah, to do yeah. Well and yeah. And so my dad, who's a software developer, kind of, I guess, sort of suggested that maybe I give this a go. Uh, and I'd always been, I guess, like Apple obsessed. I remember unboxing an iMac, a pink iMac G3 at primary school. And I think that was my first kind of like interaction with an Apple product. And it's like, yep. I like whoever made this. And so I think kind of ever since then, I've like always, um, before they used to live stream the events, me and my brother would, we'd stay up all night for some reason. <laughs> and then at 5am, which is when they start in New Zealand, we'd watch the live blogs um, and then go to school. 
Oh, those were those were good times. Those were fun ways to uh, consume the those keynotes. That sounds weird saying it like that, but it definitely had a different feel to it. Yeah, yeah, you're getting it, I guess, through someone else's perspective. I don't know. It was always good to have a few tabs open in case one of them went down and you needed to jump between different. Well, that's I, I've probably said it here before, but that's the original reason I joined Twitter because of all places, Woot. If you've ever heard of Woot, that was probably an American thing. It was I think so. one of those like daily deals sites, but their whole shtick was they wrote like really fun. Like they had comedy art or comedians on staff uh, to write these crazy descriptions of whatever their deal of the day was. And for some reason, Woot would live blog Apple keynotes on Twitter specifically. And on Twitter, you could sign up to have it, you know, send them as text messages to your phone. And when I learned that they did that, I was like, oh, while I'm in class, uh, this is when I was in college, I can I can get those on my phone and I can keep up with the live blog. But they're making jokes. Like, it's literally just jokes. But I could at least be like, oh, they announced a new laptop or they announced a new thing. You get a rough idea of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it was like the weirdest way to keep up with a keynote. But, uh, but there you go. So, Interesting. That's, that's why I started out on Twitter. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to go back now, now that we've got the live streams and especially the super polished video events, going back to just like a text feed, I think I'd probably struggle. But back in the day, it was like highlight of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you went into, did you go to university then for this? Yeah. So from after high school, uh, I went to um, Canterbury University and did a computer science degree. In retrospect, I don't know that you like you definitely don't need to do that there's a lot of stuff i think that i had to learn that hasn't been that useful but it also gives you a good idea of i guess like the deeper levels of the way things work so you can make some better decisions even though most of the time when we're programming we're sort of at a much higher level these days than some of the things they teach you at university it's i guess it's good to have an appreciation of those things um but i definitely felt like for the first two years of uni when it was a lot of that theory that i really just didn't have a clue what i was doing like I, I, I could do enough to pass the the papers and things, but it didn't really click, and I was sort of unsure if I'd if I'd made the right call. Yeah, it's sort of a weird thing with with college versions of computer science, where it's like, and maybe this is just people like us who are more into the well, like you said, the, the graphic design side of things. But like building apps is like fun. Like I know people who do like those Swift UI tutorial things, and they're not planning to make a career out of it they just like it's kind of an addicting fun thing but i never once in college until maybe like later when i was doing senior project type stuff got into that like addicting flow with because it was all like learn how to you know do this database query and make it you know uh this time this amount faster or deal with big o notation or whatever and it's like those are probably good to have, but it would be nice, especially in the early stages, for it to have that like addicting piece. And then you yeah. lob on the necessary, you know, <laughs> your vegetables to go with uh, the candy, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cause I like, I just wanted to make buttons look nice. And yeah, so when you're having yeah. to do all this uh, extra stuff, it's a bit, bit much. But in my third year, we had this like full year group project uh, where we built an app to view the America's Cup um, feed because they had it's like a live API. So you could pull in the boats where they were and plot them on a map the america's cup and then you said boats see i don't know i don't even know what that is oh or maybe i do should i know what that is it's got america in the title i know uh, that's I, why. Not, <laughs> I wasn't aware of what it was until the group project oh, um, but okay. now i'm vaguely aware that it involves boats and competition okay some kind of race then i guess yeah they race boats particular kind of boats around lakes 
I'm going to do a terrible job of explaining what it is because I just wanted to make buttons look pretty. In typical fashion, I've already derailed this into the least important part of the story. <laughs> so you're making an app about uh, about the boats. Yes, that's right. Luckily, uh, this will save it. In the middle of the year, we pivoted and turned it into a game because the America's Cup finished. So the feeds stopped. Uh. And so then... We changed it to be more of like a, you know, the Jackbox games? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we pretty much took that idea and made it so you could log into a room from your phone and that would give you a control pad and then you could pilot a boat around on the, the main screen and kind of race against your friends, ah, which was pretty nice. cool. Wait, so that was, was that an iPhone app then? Uh, it was just a web uh, a web page oh, okay, on the phone okay. itself. Yeah, yeah, that not an app. It was a, the actual application itself was just like a Java, it was written in Java and ran on the Mac. Nice. Yeah, it was really that group project where I got very fortunate with the people who was on the team with me and learned like a whole bunch from that. And that was where it kind of everything kind of fell into place. Like I had all the pieces from the previous years, but working on that with those people was when I kind of clicked. I was like, oh, this is this is what I want to be doing. And I got to do a lot of the design work on that project, too, Mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Nice. So uh, you graduated with a computer science degree then coming out of that. What was your, like, did you go straight into app development or were there some, you know, twists through some other languages or something? I think I've been very fortunate with kind of the way things have fallen into place for me. It was basically, I finished my degree and then I spent, I think I downloaded Xcode in my sort of gap between finding a job and sort of spent a week or two just mucking around. I, did, I still didn't really know what I was doing then either. I just remember dragging buttons from the storyboard into the view controller and making it print out things when you tapped on them. There's a through line with buttons here. You like buttons. Huh? <laughs> Just love buttons. <laughs> <Just> big, <laughs> big button fan. <laughs> well, they're just good to fidget with. Like, I'm like, I still miss 3D touch because it was just a great kind of fidget oh, when you were yes. sitting there, just sort of pressing on. I things. can hear Jordan Morgan, uh, like just sighing through the through the podcast uh, pipes. <laughs> what do you call that? Yeah, <laughs> the old podcast pipes. Yep, um, that's what they call them. And so I I interviewed for a few jobs and there was this company I'd randomly come across online called Smudge, um, but they didn't have any like applications at the time. And so I applied for this other job and um, sort of went through the process of that, but then didn't end up getting that role. And the, the recruiter that was helping me was like, oh, why don't you apply at this company? And it just happened to be um, Smudge, the, web, the company that I looked at online and thought, oh, it'd be cool to work there. And so I interviewed there and got the job and started that um, sort of after my summer break. And that was doing iOS development. So I kind of yeah, just landed straight into iOS development without any real experience. Um, but then, yeah, just very fortunate to sort of learn as I was, was working. Okay, so you've been doing this pretty much your whole professional career then? Yeah, I've done a little bit of Android and web, um, but iOS is definitely um, the one I find the most exciting. So then what, what is what got you... Um, and you still you still work there then, right? Is that correct? Well, if you want to talk about that. Yep. Yeah. So I still work there, um, mostly full time and then, yeah, just do crouton on the side. So you end up, it's quite, it can be quite a good, like, I think relationship when you've got a side project and a work project that are the same technologies, you can learn things at home that are really helpful at work and, and vice versa. So you can almost like hack your, I don't know, like the whole 10,000 hours thing. You can kind of like yeah. fast track that if you're passionate about doing it in your spare time that was i again i've probably said this before on this podcast but with dark noise that was the whole point of it is i switched you know from web react side of things to uh to an ios team but i didn't i didn't know ios development so i'm like i need to start a side project 
And part of that too was all the people on my team, or not all, but a lot of them also had side apps. And the amount of times we'd be in a meeting and we'd be like, can we do this with App Store Connect? And everybody would be like, well, I've done this here. Oh, I've used this over here. Like everybody could kind of pull in this experience with these little side apps that they had. Um, and I definitely found the same thing for me. It was like almost addicting when uh, you could pull out your laptop, like your personal laptop and be like, I solved this problem earlier and you can find some old code. Totally. I never really had that doing, you know, .NET enterprise apps because I wasn't usually building those and deploying them to, <laughs> you know, local enterprise apps. <laughs> Not how you want to spend your evenings. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I think as well, especially around like dub dub when all the new APIs and things come out, you don't always get an opportunity straight away through like a, a day job to use those things. But like when you're just on your own projects, you can do whatever you want and you don't have to sort of, I guess, justify it or have a reason to. And so you can pick up those things really quickly and then often they do come in useful later on down the line. So is that why you started building stuff on the side? I think I, once I started doing iOS development at work, I just found that I enjoyed it so much that I just, just wanted to keep doing it when I got home. And I guess I've always had like, I know there's like pain points of the way that you might be doing something. And so when you suddenly develop a skill where you can solve those pain points yourself, it's sort of hard not to at least give it a go. Yeah, it's the uh, like, I'm having a small problem with my garage door and I like <laughs> yeah. raspberry pies, therefore... I need some giant Rube Goldberg machine that attaches a Raspberry Pi to my garage door. Uh, it's the same exactly. kind of problem, but with apps. I think the problem is having someone, not having someone there to tell you that you should just stop yeah. and just enjoy <laughs> some peace and quiet. I guess you had, you had a full-time job and you were just kind of like making apps for fun, I guess, on the side. Were those, were you doing apps like pushing them to the store and trying to make kind of a business out of them or were most of them sort of personal side project kind of things at before crouton uh yeah it was all mostly personal i guess you would say it was so the first app i built was for my youth group just as a way to keep track of the different events we had on because often you'd have like a printed plan but then things would change and the printed plan would be kind of useless right and so uh the first app i built was just a something you could open up and see what was happening that week and it would change as, as things updated I think in retrospect, that could have probably just been a Google calendar, but it was a good opportunity to to practice sort of building my own thing and seeing what that might look like. So then what what led you up to Crouton itself then? I guess kind of similar. When I, uh, my wife and I got married, we started meal planning just as uh, a way to keep groceries cheap. And it also just makes it easy when you're working out what you want to cook. I'd always enjoyed cooking. Uh, I don't like. I don't think I'm particularly amazing at it, but it's something I've always sort of enjoyed. So I was the the chief meal planner in the house. That's my official title. And to start with, I was just using the notes app. So at the top, I just had the days of the week, and then mm. underneath that, I had a just a massive list of URLs and even some typed out recipes. So you kind of just infinite scroll, find something that looks good, and then paste it up the top, which worked surprisingly well for a while. Like you get iCloud sharing in a note so you can share it with your family. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the notes app in general is is great. There's a lot of like app ideas that you can kind of manage for a while just as a note um, until they get unwieldy. If we get links, uh, like links to other notes inside of Apple Notes, it's going to be a killer app. I mean, it's, it's a killer <laughs> app now, but like, I feel like that's kind of the one piece missing. It'll put us all out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just use notes for that. Uh, and so... 
I don't really remember making a conscious decision to start making crouton. I think it was just one Saturday. I had some spare time and just sort of started putting something together to see what it, what it might look like. Uh, and originally it was really focused around, I guess, coming from the note where I just had links and, and recipes. It was actually really focused on the meal planning and less mm. about being able to view recipes in the app. And so originally it really was just like a you would just paste links in and then you could attach those links to the days of the week. So the, I guess the benefit was that you could search it and, and things like that, but it really didn't have any focus on being able to do anything interesting with the recipes. Like when you wanted to use one, you're just opening up that page in the browser. Basically, yeah, just like Safari View Controller and then there it was, um, which I don't, I, don't, like, I don't think I shipped that version of it, but that's what it was for quite a while. And then I think as I went on, it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to actually display ingredients and steps and figure out how to make these things look sensible and all the sort of, I guess, complications that you don't think will be issues until you try, start trying to build it. And like at this at this point in the story, it's more or less for you still then, right? Like when when did you kind of transition to like, oh, this is going to be like a product I'm going to try and sell? Ah, uh, that was probably after, definitely after it launched, I think. Um, oh, after it launched? Well, I guess we can get into the launch soon. But yeah, while I was building it, it was definitely like, this is going to make things easier for me. I guess always you're sort of thinking like, oh, it'd be nice if other people use this. But I don't think I had really like thought about that too much. Okay. It wasn't like grand plans about, you know, taking over the recipe app space and doing market research and, you know, all that. It was really like, this is the thing that will be nice for me and it, it'll be cool like a lot of projects to put it out there like if it was a website it'd be cool to put it out there and tweet about it or something yeah yeah i definitely didn't do any like product market fit or anything like that it was just like oh, this would be good for me and i i had done a search of the app store um just to kind of see what was around um obviously like paprika kind of owns the space did and still does in a lot of ways and i think at the time i just didn't want to pay eight dollars in retrospect that probably would have been a good deal and would have saved me a lot of um, stress and heartbreak. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of the meal planning apps, because that was kind of my angle, were really focused on health and that side of it rather uh, than just yeah. the, I just want to cook something tomorrow and I'm going to organize that at the start of the week. And so like originally in Crouton as well, you could only, you weren't assigning recipes to dates, you were just assigning them to the day of the week. So it was like really, really basic. Basically, at the start of the next week, you'd have to clear the list and then add in the recipes again. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So, there's like a lot of decisions I made that I think made it clear that it was built just for the way that I used recipe apps. And then over time, as people have actually started using it, then I've sort of tried to, I guess, soften some of those things, like still have an opinion and and the way things should be done, but also take feedback and sort of refine things a bit. So, based on how you are describing it, I'm guessing there wasn't a big beta test group uh or anything like that what what was the state of the app and then like what was the actual launch itself like then the initial launch yeah i don't even know if i'm allowed to be on this show because i don't know if you can really call it a launch but i well it went from uh existing to (laughs) not existing so the boat ended up in the water i think that's yes yeah so at that point i really i had been on twitter for a long time but i actually didn't follow a lot of people in like the like ios developer space and so i'd started tweeting about it a little bit but i actually i checked earlier today before coming on to see like what i had done leading up to it and i think i tweeted once showing a little video of um it automatically detecting something on your clipboard popping up 
another screenshot of it running on Catalyst, and then the post after that was the launch tweet. And so there was really like no kind of, I guess, like, you know, trying to build up hype or, or see if yeah. there's any interest. It was kind of just like, hey, everyone, I made a recipe app, and that was kind of it. And the screenshot of it was not very thought through. It was like a recipe that I just quickly typed up, which had like the ingredients was a chicken breast and two tablespoons of curry powder. And that was like the <laughs> screenshot. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I clearly was not thinking at all about how to sort of present this as, as something that other people might want to use. It's so interesting because I came into understanding or knowledge of this later, but everything you do now feels like very thought through and there's little jokes hidden in places. And I feel like you do really think through that. So I'm curious how you like, what, what, how did you get from there to where you are right now then? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm making up for lost time because uh, basically I launched in 2019 and it got, I think, two downloads on the first day, which was me and my mom. So, <laughs> it went very well. She thought it was a good app. A small but very loyal user base, I think is what exactly, you say. Yeah. Well, she still uses it. So, it's- That's awesome. Must have done all right. So, it was actually, I think, almost a whole year or at least six to eight months where no one was really using it, but I was still working on it. It was good at least that it had solved a problem for me and was legitimately useful. Was it paid up front or- one-time purchase, in-app purchase, which is what I think it is today. Yeah, I think when I launched it was free and then there was in-app purchase to unlock iCloud syncing. Okay. That did not do very well. And so then after a few months, I changed it to paid up front, which also just made it easier to develop because I didn't have to worry about. Yeah. Like, you get through app reviews so much faster and... Exactly. Uh, it's funny. I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be old, but I've been tweeting, I think today or last night, I don't remember, about thinking about changing things uh with dark noise and uh it's one of those where it's like it's exciting thinking about it but man paid up front is so much easier like as much as there's a reason why everybody says not to do it i understand that from a business sense but you avoid so much work definitely <laughs> surprisingly there's definitely a lot of positives about paid up front but it's hard to get people to convince people to download it yeah you're asking people to put a lot of money down on something or not a lot, but you know what I mean? Put money down on something uh, based on no real reputation, just what they can see in screenshots. And you're up against a bunch of things that usually they have to put no money down to try it out. Yeah. So, and I think so switching to paid up front was also not the right move because then I was, it was basically like direct comparison to, to Paprika and other apps where yeah, I just like, I'm amazed at how little the app did when I shipped it that I, like in retrospect, I probably should have, I think, held off for a few extra months and just like tidied up a few extra things and, and launched it then. I think it was just good to get something out the door and start yeah. using it. And I think what happened after that was I started really getting into the developer community a lot more and realizing that there's a lot of other people trying to do very similar things. And uh, so I just started, yeah, started getting really inspired about like, all the different things you see people working on on Twitter and also looking at how they, I guess, market their new features and their their updates and post about things and I guess try and analyze what works and what doesn't work. And so I think, yeah, now when I post things, I'm definitely thinking about that um, a lot more, probably too much at this point, but <laughs> just around like, I don't know, trying to get the perfect screen recording of a feature or exactly how something's going to look um, when someone else views it without any context and things like that. So a lot of that, I think I've just built up from looking at how other people do things and kind of trying to, I guess, copy what I think um, works well or, and try and do it, I guess, in my own way too. But yeah, just looking at how other people are doing it. 
So I feel like, I mean, I don't, I don't know the reality. So maybe, uh, maybe my perception is way off here, but I feel like there's more than two users. Well, three, cause I'm one of them, uh, using the app now. So like what sort of changed the tide on something that was another app in the store wasn't getting a lot of attention to something that's seems like at least a, a genuine like business. Um, I think the, there was a release I put out in early 2020 it was like kind of after COVID hit and I was at home a lot more. And I think I just focused on all the sort of key points that I was getting. Like I, I was sort of getting a few users over time. And so I was starting to get a little bit of feedback. And so there was a release I put out that added like grocery planning and it made the meal plan infinite. So you could plan um, into the future as much as you want. And mm. a few extra things in that release that I think kind of took it from being just something that solved my problem to being legitimately useful for other people. And I definitely kind of see that as kind of a marker of where it established itself as a, as an app. Was there like a notable, maybe not jump is the wrong word, but growth that happened after that? Uh, I think most of Crouton's growth has been pretty gradual. There's definitely been like some spikes. Like I got uh, picked up by uh, Mac Stories um, late 2020, I think. And that also was a really yeah great way to kind of just get out in front of other people um, and be seen. And so there's definitely been like some spikes where different things have happened, like app store features and things like that. But I would say on the whole, Crouton's growth has been really kind of progressive over time, which is like good and, and bad. Sometimes those big spikes can be a little bit, I guess, depressing when you come back down from them. You just want to chase sure. like the feeling of like, I don't know, massive growth overnight again. Whereas when it's just sort of gradual over time, it's a bit more like sustainable. And it's like, okay, if I just keep doing this and focusing on what I think makes a good product, then, you know, hopefully it'll continue down that path. That's interesting. So did you find that after those spikes, the tail sort of continued, like you got some growth out of that or were those really just like if you just got rid of those yes you'd lose the money from those spikes but they didn't necessarily affect the overall trajectory of the app like how or was most of the growth i guess coming from the sort of day-to-day grinding or were those spikes the things that were kind of driving some of that growth i guess is what i'm really asking yeah i guess it's hard to know exactly my i'd definitely be interested to see what other people what their experience has been but Typically after those, I found that it, it levels off sort of just a little bit above where it was before, but certainly not like while it's happening, you're like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to be like, you know, number one forever. Yeah. James Thompson, he was talking about when they released, like when the app store first came out. Uh, so there was no, no stories or history to go with. They all were projecting out like these numbers over the next however many years. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're yeah. going to be like millionaires. Uh <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so i think in my experience has been that after that it levels off somewhere slightly above where it was previously but not um not anything significant and so i think for me what's worked has been just over time i think building up like um a presence on twitter and kind of just sharing what i'm working on and then just the consistency of, of delivering and trying to add new things that will be helpful i think then over time then like kind of the word of mouth of your product spreads and then it kind of builds up that way um, at least that's been my experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's, I want to talk about a couple of those features. So like, I guess one of the more standout ones is, uh, the blink, but what do you, what do you actually call the feature? Uh, it's like blink detection for, uh, how you actually navigate while you're running through your steps. Yeah. I think it's just called like wink mode or hands-free wink mode. mode. That's yeah, that's the word. How'd that come about? That one was interesting because, 
uh, like I didn't have a step-by-step mode in Crouton at all before that. And then I think I was just driving home from work one day and I don't know, daydreaming or something. So it'd be cool if I could like move through the recipe without having to touch the screen. That would be kind of fun. Um, And then I guess just thought, oh, how could I do that? And then, um, yeah, just thought about the true depth camera or you don't even need the true depth now. You just, just the front camera with the face detection. Um, and then I just thought, oh, like, yeah, maybe I could detect if you're winking or opening your mouth and that could be a way to, to move through the steps. But I really thought it was kind of like a gimmick. I wasn't sure if I was actually going to ship it. And it took like a week to get it through app review as well, because they kept sending back feedback, like, where are you using true depth in your app? And it just took a very long time to explain, yeah. like. Some checkboxes checked and then <laughs> they need to actually go find that, which makes your app review slower, I guess. Probably every time now. I think yeah, at this point I've gotten on that feature specifically i've worked out exactly what i need to include to kind of ah, nice. avoid having to, to answer questions about that one but yeah there's definitely some good videos of me like late at night winking at my phone to sort of submit <laughs> as a as proof <laughs> um but those will never be distributed so so you were saying you weren't sure if that was going to be if you thought it was going to be a gimmick but then yeah i mean I, I think it probably is still a gimmick i do use it occasionally but it's got it, it was a lot more it landed a lot better than I thought it was going to because I just thought it was kind of like a goofy thing that'd be fun to put together and see if I could make it work but then almost every time now when it if it gets picked up by like uh, someone they often mention that as like a key feature which I just find amusing because to me it was just like a little thing I kind of like threw in as something fun that I could do we've talked outside of this podcast a couple times and you you sometimes make fun of me for not using step-by-step mode I will say I do find myself uh, now use, with using crouton, if I'm cooking certain things, like if I'm chopping vegetables or whatever, and it's a recipe I don't know as well, I will set up my phone because I don't use a kitchen iPad, which I know you're also a big uh, proponent of. <laughs> big believer in the kitchen iPad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll grab one of, I have this little, nobody can see this except for you, but I have one of these little, you know, phone stand things that every iOS developer probably has. And I'll grab that from my office and bring it down to my kitchen and set my phone up uh, just so that I can blink through the, uh, <laughs> it sounds weird saying it out loud, blink through the steps because I'm like, I'm the worst. I'm a horrible cook uh, in terms of time. Like, okay. I, I'm just a very slow person in general as you know, dark noise development can attest. And this is, this applies to cooking as well. I will like double, triple check recipes like I will look at the, you know, number of ounces or whatever the actual scale I need for something. And then I'll go grab the thing and then I'll look again to see what the number is. And then I'll unscrew the cap and then I'll look again at what the number is because I just instantly forget it. I don't, I don't think that's a you problem. I, I do exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, I better check that again in case yeah, I read it wrong. Yeah. Like uh, I've probably messed up one time you know, early in my life. And now every single time I have to check a thousand times because I don't want to some childhood trauma. Yeah. Double the amount of, you know, chili powder or whatever. (laughs) Um, and so with, with that, I like, I won't do this if my family's home because I, I know I look really goofy. (laughs) I like, I genuinely really, really love it for that. Cause it's, is it opening your mouth? Is that what it is to pull down the, the ingredients? Yeah, if you're on an iPhone or like a, a compact view, yeah, then opening your mouth will pop up the okay, yeah. list. And that's that's the one I use <laughs> very frequently, actually, surprisingly. It's interesting. I thought what your story was going to be for that was going to be the typical iOS developer. I was watching WWDC videos about Vision Kit and 
I wanted to workshop this in. But it sounds like you actually came at that from the solving a problem perspective, even though you thought it was going to be a gimmick. Yeah, that one just kind of, yeah, came out of nowhere and then sort of had all the right pieces to put it together, which was cool. It's interesting. I feel like I've seen other apps do similar things. Not Maybe not the exact same method, but like the idea of a... I have messy hands way of navigating through steps. Um, I've seen other people do that. So I'm guessing that is like a a feature that lots of people probably use. I can't be the only one. Now I'm wishing that there's like a, a video compilation of, of all the users just like opening their mouth and, and winking at their phone to, to move through the steps. <laughs> yeah, there's another business opportunity for you. Uh, you can You can secretly capture the video and then, you know, have a $9.99 uh, unlock to not tweet it to all your friends or, you know, message it to all your friends or something. Blackmail as a, yeah. as a service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, back to your point quickly about um, DubDub sort of and using that as like a catalyst for features. I have worked on a few different variations of the hands-free mode as a result of seeing stuff at DubDub. Like they brought out the like hand pose detection and, and things like that. So... I have played around with being able to navigate the recipe just using your hands instead because I think, and part of why I guess I think I thought it was a gimmick, like winking left and right can be kind of a fatiguing exercise if you want yeah. to move through a lot of steps. And so I think there's definitely some, probably some other interesting sort of ways that, yeah, you could add a layer of interaction without having to actually touch the, the screen. It seems like there would be a accessibility angle to that, even though that wasn't necessarily your original intent. Have you heard from people who use it? in that kind of context or have requests for a similar kind of context? Uh, I don't think so. I have mostly had the opposite where people let me know that it's quite hard to wink left and right over and over yeah. again. Yeah. It'd be quite interesting to, to know if that is actually useful or not. I guess in that case, like voiceover is kind of more the answer there. Yeah, that's true. You've got like the system layer. So there's not necessarily, an, as long as you conform to the, the platform conventions for accessibility, right. you're kind of getting a lot of that for free. So, like, another thing, this isn't really a specific feature, but this is this is more or less the thing that really makes me love this app. I feel like there's a lot of just delightful custom controls. Like, in particular, if you're, like, in the grocery app, um, or I guess it's when you're inputting a recipe, too, the, like, custom, you know, scale, what, what do you call that? The, like, card view that comes up for putting in the number of... Like the ingredient keypad. Th- there you go. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the ingredient keypad. That thing is amazing. What what led you to building a custom like control like that? Yeah, that one's kind of a little bit funny because I spent, or actually, so I, originally the inspiration for that kind of like layout actually came from um, Daniel Gautier's um, Oh Bother app. He kind of has those kind of little cards oh, really? that pop up. Um, and I had, I'd been for a while trying to work out like, oh, how can I make the ingredient input better? Um, because like typing, typing out things like fractions and stuff. Uh, on a keypad can sometimes be a pain, especially if you're modifying a recipe ingredient. It's nice to kind of have something that's aware that it's a recipe and not just the the default keypad. And so I actually spent like a whole weekend building something quite different where it was more like steppers where you could like quickly add and remove like amounts sort of in stepping increments and sunk like quite a lot of time into trying to make that good and solving a lot of challenges that came with that approach. And then I think by the end of the weekend, I was just like, nah, this is not good. Um, like, this is definitely worse than the normal keypad. And so I kind of scrapped the whole thing and then really quickly, or at least comparably to the amount of time I spent on the first version, sort of built out what it looks like now, where 
it's more of just a keypad where you type it out and you can choose the quantities and things like that. But yeah, I definitely, it's always interesting when you sink a lot of time into something, it can be quite easy just to be like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to go with because I've spent so much time on it. But right. I'm glad with that, that I didn't and that I, yeah, was able to come up with something that I guess kind of still has the same, the essence of what I was going for with the other thing, but ends up being a much more obvious solution, I think. Yeah, I think the thing is like, there is the easy answer to develop, which is use the keypad that Apple built and you know that's going to work and you know that's that and that's what most other apps i use there's also some that do like uh little extra buttons that float above the keypad um and those work okay but this is like uh, there's a bunch of examples in the app but this is the one that i remember the first time i used the app is the thing that made the whole thing really stand out as a high quality experience which is like this is an action i'm going to do frequently and there's a way to do it that's dedicated specifically to this task. And it's going to do it really smooth and easily and quickly. And once you do that, it sort of like lets you know what you're about to experience with everything else, which is like expect everything to have this level of like polish around it. I'm glad you think so. I remember actually, I don't uh, Another thing that actually did help with Crouton's growth was when you discovered the app and you... Cause I had made um, like a launch style icon of the app and then just sort of tweeted it out. Like, please was notice me. Ba- was that back <laughs> when I was trying to fill my whole screen with uh, all launched app icons? Yeah. Oh, and man. I think you must've installed it cause it was, it was going to help fill the screen. And then you obviously opened it and, and started using it and you posted a video of like, Oh, look at this ingredient keypad. And I was like, Oh no, please don't show everyone what I've been doing. <laughs> it's kind of like a, I don't know if you feel this, but it's really bizarre seeing people actually use your app and i always find that it's a very uncomfortable experience of like please don't break please don't break it doesn't help that uh for me like you built crouton and you were the main user because you said you were the person who who cooked all the time i built dark noise because my wife uses a white noise app every night and i very occasionally do but not very often and what i found is my wife is very good at finding bugs and they would come up at night because that's when she would hit play on the thing. And like constantly, like I would like get anxiety going to bed when she'd pull <laughs> her phone out sometimes because, you know, she'd be like, You'd oh, nudge at 3 a.m. Yeah. Or like it wouldn't fade up correctly or it would sound even if she didn't say anything. It's just like this like, like tense feeling. So I very much know that I've never seen anybody in the wild using it, even if it was super popular. I don't know that. That's something that I would ever really expect to see, but I'm definitely not there either. But yeah, whenever people like tweet a screenshot of here's a mix I made or whatever, it's always that same feeling of like, I should be proud, but it's like heart rate just goes straight up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's like doing a live demo somehow. It's the same kind of feeling, I guess. It's just very stressful. Yeah, I think. (laughs) And going back to your, um, about your wife giving feedback, I actually think like that's one of being one of the key parts of crouton success as well as actually like when i build something i'll show it to my wife I'm like oh what do you think of this and because she's got no context of, of what i've been trying to achieve or exactly sometimes you might spend yeah. ages on something and so you're just committed to it because you've put in the effort and so having someone that can just look at it and be like mm, i think like you can do better than this or um, she's always very nice about how she delivers the feedback but she's also very good at pushing me on things that i probably should try harder on She's also very good at finding bugs. So whenever she's cooking, she usually comes with a, a list of feedback afterwards <laughs> on what I could do better. Oh man. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, it really is like that's the best thing, right? Is somebody somebody who's not you. Because like when I'm using my own software, I feel like I'm tiptoeing around it all the time anyway. Um, so to me, everything I make feels like it's it's a house <laughs> of cards that's about to fall <laughs> apart. No, I mean like I feel like everything's going uh, to break I if yeah. I just touch it wrong. You know what I mean? And so I probably, or not probably, I definitely don't use it uh, probably like a normal person would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife is good about using it like a normal person um and same for you know it's like you were saying you you seed it out like your mom was using it uh and once you get users giving you feedback it's amazing how they can represent the normal person um for a lot of use cases where you never are going to be the normal person um you can start like ironing out those or rounding out those rough edges the sharp corners man there's a there's a phrase there that i'm dancing around and i'm just you hit, you hit all of the right words, I think. All right, perfect. I at least got all the right words at some <laughs> point. Maybe not in the right order all at once, uh, but we got there. <laughs> yeah, I think user feedback has, has been really... It's great when you get an email or like a message from someone that you can tell they, I guess, have the same vision of the app or what it can be. And mm. so, you can tell that the feedback is sort of like really in line with your own, I guess, views of what you're trying to do. And uh, yeah, I think it's just always, it's always really exciting when you find a user like that, that you can kind of like bounce ideas off of or get their feedback on how they sort of interpreted a feature when they first saw it. And yeah, I always try and when I get that kind of feedback, implement those changes as, as quickly as I can. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you're like, when you're in the earlier stage of building something and you're excited and you integrate that feedback quickly, you get into this really like addicting loop of making people happy. Like, I don't know. There's nothing better than yeah, somebody sending you, sending you an email and then you like, like I would do this with test flights, especially getting a test flight out with it in there. And then, you know, putting in the notes like, thanks, Bob. And you're just kind of like, yeah, like maybe they don't care, but I feel like I made their day. Like it just feels really special. Yeah. It's really, really satisfying. And then that encourages more people to want to send you that feedback and, that like cycle gets going again definitely i haven't been in that in a while and it's it's almost depressing when you're not because it i don't know it's like it makes it so much easier to kind of get into that that flow i feel like yeah i think it's definitely one of the most helpful things when you're kind of in like a a slump of motivation yeah if someone just sends through something like oh hey it'd be cool if it did this then you just can like jump in and smash it out whereas i find when i'm working on like bigger features it's way easier just to sort of i guess not not do any work on it because i know that if i do i'm gonna have to tackle this really big big problem and so those little things are great kind of like funnels where you you do the little thing and then you suddenly find that you're working on the big challenging thing again without kind of noticing and so it's just a good way of getting back into it yeah those quality it's nice to have like quality of life quick wins i guess would be the uh the corporate term for it but it can yeah it can really kick start things again i guess speaking of that it feels like from the outside, at least you've been going through, or you just went through one of those with, with kind of the whole live activities, dynamic Island side of things. It felt like you got like into a frenzy of, uh, coming up with ideas and tweeting about it and getting a bunch of feedback and then getting those ideas in there. And it was really fun to watch from the outside. I'm curious what your experience was with that, the whole iOS 16 release cycle. Yeah. I feel like that one was some pretty ideal timing because I just released timer support which was one of those features where i'd just been working on for ages and um because i work on it mostly in my spare time i'd had i guess two kids over the last couple years and was just 
not having the same evening time to work on it. So I had this feature, which I was working on trying to get time and support out. And then I think like a, maybe a month before iOS 16 or before like the, the dynamic Island anyway, I got that out the door. And so once they showed the dynamic Island at the keynote, it was almost like straight away, like, Oh, this is like perfect because one of the big problems with timer apps, the system time is great because it gets priority in the system. So when it goes off, you get, you know, that it's going off because it right. makes the noise and vibrates, but as a third party app, all you can do is send a notification and the user has to go back to the app to see what's happening. And so with live activities, then you have an opportunity to kind of like break free from those bounds and like you can actually show the user that they've got a timer going and how long's left. And then um, you can't do as much when it, the time is finished, but I think it's still, yeah, that whole experience of like, yeah, you've got something running in the background and being able to present it to the user outside of the app was um, was pretty awesome and yeah, perfect timing. and. So yeah, pretty much as soon as the keynote finished, I quickly like mocked up what I thought it was going to look like because I just felt like I don't know something about the, the 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 bouncy animations just like got to me. I was like, I need to of the dynamic island itself. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think with live activities, I probably would have taken it a bit slower, but the dynamic island, I don't know something about it. Just I mean, it got everybody. It was one of those. It was one of those features where watching it in the keynote, you're like, oh man, they did it. Like. They really knocked this out of the park. I think it's similar to like the iPad cursor support where you were just like, whoa, this is different in a way that Apple's different on things, but also it feels like they nailed it in a way where sometimes they're just annoying with being different. I think I made like some audible noises when it when yeah. they played <laughs> that sort of intro video. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mocked up what, what I thought that could look like because they hadn't even released the APIs at that point. So it was sort of, it wasn't really clear what you were going to be able to do. Right. But it just kind of took a stab at it based on what they'd shown. And then, yeah, once the APIs came out, I kind of just got stuck into trying to see what it would look like. And, um, yeah, it was quite a fun experience. And then when I tweeted about it, there was a lot of sort of engagement and interest in the feature, which I think always helps when you get buy-in from other people. You're like, oh, yeah, I should I should keep going with this because, you know, people are going to use it. Yeah, because you were kind of one of the early, like, developers who jumped on it that kind of got a lot of people's attention like oh man look at what this thing can be yeah that was one of those times when i kind of actually hadn't really thought through what i was posting i just did like a quick screen recording of it working and kind of threw it up um thinking like oh you know people might like to see this and then it did surprisingly well and i think like mike stern from apple retweeted it which was pretty cool and yeah it got a lot of interest um which just yeah helps with motivation and, and keeping going so then between when that was announced and when they launched 16.1, I was yeah pretty flat out just trying to get it get it working. And there's a bunch of complications in the way the API works that you sort of have to work around. So there's a lot of like back and forwards and trying to figure out how to get like the constraints of the layout, I guess, are quite different to, to a normal like UI view. So you're just trying to work right. out like how to build what you want within quite a constrained system um, was a good challenge. Now, do you feel like that excitement and engagement you're getting pre-release did that translate into anything post-release like do you think you got more write-ups uh included in some lists or anything from apple and did that make any impact on sales uh yeah i guess it's hard to hard to know whether the the, the build-up before the launch was what caused it i think one of the main things was i was fortunate enough to get um featured in some of apple's lists for the live activity support and so and in a few countries, it was quite high up on the list, which was was awesome. And so I think that was maybe where other publications and sites were looking to sort of build right. these lists. Yeah, out. yeah. And so yeah, it's quite it's pretty awesome being able to kind of 
I don't know, you make like a splash across the internet, I guess, where you're just like popping up in a bunch of different places. There's definitely from that was the pretty significant spike um, in, in downloads and, and revenue. So yeah, I think it was really made it worthwhile because I'd, I'd put quite a lot into it. And then I was sort of before release day was kind of just worried like, oh, maybe I've done all of this and, and no one's going <laughs> to notice or it's not going to be that useful. And so it was validating, I guess, to, I guess, yeah, see it land pretty well and, and get some good feedback on it and also get, I don't know, it's always nice to get a little revenue bump from, from those kind of things. So yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. This is an aside. I didn't want to interrupt that conversation, but if anybody at Apple's listening, these complaints about uh, the alarms uh, not working correctly, I just have to put this out in the world because uh, at least once a week, my wife uh, brings this up to me that I need to put this out into the world. We need an alarm kit, like some sort of way for developers to make alarms that are not the Apple alarm app because they're really problematic for people who like rely on them for their job. My wife is one of them. She has like all these alarms that are very important for the work that she does. When she has a day off or something like that, she can't just hit a button to say, turn off my alarm, my weekly alarms or anything like that. And I know there's, and trust me, I've brought them up. There's like shortcuts you could build to try and make this, but like, this is the exact type of thing that I or somebody should be able to build an app that's like a nice wrapper around the system alarms. And I'm sure it's not the most important problem Apple has, but it would be really, really nice. It would be awesome. If you could send them to like HomePods as well, if you could create a timer and have it like ring on a HomePod, that would be, that was the kind of stuff when I was building out the timer feature where it's like, this is great. But yeah, as soon as you leave the app, it's kind of right. not as useful. So yeah, if you could send something to like a HomePod or have it once it's finished, respond the same way the system responds. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I get that's like, it's like a huge undertaking because of all the bad actors that you'd have to work around. Like it'd be like notifications, right? Where you have to give people the power to turn them off because you know uber is going to be somehow sending you ads through alarms like that's the inevitable thing that's going to happen with any <laughs> yeah uh, your phone would just be like a grenade that just could go off at any time with a siren yeah because alarms can break out of the silence feature so i get it's just like a sacred cow and that's probably more important than anything but uh you know just throwing that out there if we're looking if you're looking for ideas for ios 17 <laughs> We'll take it. Just looking at an empty whiteboard like we got nothing. Here here we go. Uh, it'll make at least one developer very happy. That's uh, right. Yeah, there'll be two of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Is there anything else uh, you want to talk about with, with Crouton? Any other fun, interesting secret stories uh, you want to put out into the world? Uh, secret stories. Goodness. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> no worries. I don't normally ask people that. I don't know why I went went with that but i wish i did have a secret story i feel like that would be quite a good like note to end on like th this one time you can just make something up <laughs> um that's even more pressure i'll come up as soon as this call's ended i'll be like i should have said that that Perfect. would like yeah i just wanted to make sure that when you go to bed tonight um instead of sleeping you can just rehash that question over and over and keep coming up with better answers you can guarantee that i'll be yeah replaying this whole conversation yeah yeah that's that's really the goal here uh, just to make people as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> oh, man. You just make sure not to pitch that to them before they agree to come on. Yeah, no, no. That's that's something once you get them stuck on a call that they can't escape, uh, then you let Your personal them. enjoyment. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, 
I guess I guess we can go ahead and uh, and wrap things up. But before before we do, um, I'll ask you the question I ask everybody, which is uh, what's a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend others check out? Yeah, so I think I'm going to I've got three, I think three recommendations. Um, The first one I've already mentioned was um, Daniel Gautier with Up Ahead and Oh Bother. I think if you use Crouton, you can definitely see that there's some inspiration there. And yeah, his apps just have a degree of, of polish that uh, is quite rare these days. And he's also, yeah, really great on Twitter as well. Just, I don't know, keeps the feed a bit a bit more lighthearted yeah, than it has yeah. been recently. And there's there's a little bit of, you know, cross-pollination uh, here because his I interviewed him and his episode will be coming out as we record tomorrow. So yeah, go listen to the one before. That's the thing <laughs> I'm supposed to say, right? Like organic growth or something like that. Always plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Second recommendation is Ryan Ashcraft, who you have had on as well. Yeah, yeah. Definitely around those early sort of days with Crouton, a lot of the work he was doing with food noms with like the um, the scanning, the nutrition labels, and also just the way that he kind of like marketed food noms as well was really like definitely inspired me with a lot of the things I've done on Crouton. Uh, last one was... Uh, Kyle Hughes, who I think is just a great, <laughs> a great, a great follow on Twitter as well. Again, if you're just wanting something to like make the feed a bit more exciting, his tweets are always so, I don't know if he's crafting them, but they feel so well crafted and so oh, yeah. like just on, on the point every time. And he also has a few apps as well that are really nice just in how simple they are. So I definitely recommend checking out um, some of his stuff. Kyle's somehow both nice. Like he's not like one of these like incendiary you know twitter commentators but then somehow it feels like he's like making fun of just corporate developer life in an incredibly effective way without it punching down ever very very entertaining i can't tell you how many of his tweets i end up sharing to (laughs) friends because they make me laugh so much definitely yeah thank you again for coming on this is uh it's been really fun watching crouton grow kind of over the last couple years I, I guess I didn't mention it, but like it's kind of taken over mine. We like I said, we were Paprika users for forever because all my data was sitting in there. That's what the family used, and it's hard to kind of switch people over. Um, and then I ended up trying a whole bunch of them because I just wanted to try something that was a little more modern. Like you had mentioned, I've been playing with Crouton for a while, and uh, it's just it just makes me happy to use. And finally, I'm like, you know what? That's that's it. That's <laughs> why do I finally need- won you over. Uh, and iCloud syncing and all that. Like, it, I think that was part of the thing originally was you didn't have iCloud syncing, right? Or not iCloud, family sharing. And so all the pieces were in place. And uh, so it's it's been my go-to for for a little bit now. And uh, oh, that's awesome. It makes me it makes me really happy to uh, to like know the person who's made the thing that I'm using all the time. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. Uh, so where can people find you and your work? Uh, that's a, a good question because at, at the time of recording, you can find me on Twitter, but <laughs> when this goes out, who, who knows where you'll be able to find me in Christchurch, New Zealand, for sure. Um, yeah, but that's a as long we've way. established, that's so, the place to go. <laughs> you can find me um, on Twitter um, with the handle just me Devin uh, at the moment and hopefully for, for a long time into the future, but we'll see what happens. Uh, do you have a website or something just in case we, do, we don't have that option? Uh, I did start a blog recently. Um, two minute noodles. Two minute noodles. You can find me there. Um, but it probably won't be the most interesting thing that you'll look up. But I will be there. Perfect. Thanks for listening. 
This episode was edited by Jonathan Ruiz. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at launched.fm. I'd really appreciate a rating or review in your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launched.fm.com. Thank you.